Yes, okay. Our meeting starting at 8.43. Brenda, can you take roll call, please? Yes. Um, Lorita Mallon? Here. Richard Hard Harvey Jr.? Richard? Present. Lucia Angel? Uh, here. Neha Banger will not join us tonight. B. Franks Walker? B. B. I think we lost her for a minute. I thought I heard it coming. Okay. <laughs> Are you calling me? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Eric Murphy will not join us tonight. Mark Smith. Khalil Toki will not join us tonight. Ali Yessing. Sure. Uh, we have a quorum. Great. Can you scroll up there? Bring it, please. Perfect. Well, Happy New Year to everyone. Um, I'm hoping that 2022 will be a prosperous year in the sense of meeting all of our goals and helping the people that we want to help. And um, I don't have anything in particular to say other than I'm in New York for this meeting right now and COVID is um, rampant here. Um, I actually was tested my whole family, and everybody's okay, thank goodness. <clears throat> but uh, it's pretty interesting. The test centers are everywhere on the streets, downtown New York. So uh, that's for um, item B. Um, can I get a motion for someone to approve our minutes from our December 14th meeting? Uh, Madam Chair, um, just like the last meeting, you could call if you'd like both at the same time uh, for approval okay. of the minutes right. and the resolution. Perfect. Okay. Yes, can I get a motion to approve the minutes from our last meeting and um, the uh, the adopt resolution authorizing remote teleconferencing meetings? Hi, this is Chair Member Richard Hersey. I move that we accept um, the minutes from December's meeting, as well as adopt a resolution. Did that work? Yes, can someone second it? This is Ollie, I second that motion and the resolution. Thank you. Okay, now it goes to roll call. Okay. Loredia Mallon? Present. Witcher Harvey Jr. Present. Lucia Angel. Um, yes. B. Franks Walker. Here. Ali Yessing. Here.
Are the present votes intended yeah, to be yes, yes votes? Kayla, is that okay that people are saying present? I think the intention is yeah, to they, say yes. Uh, yay, yes, yay. Yes, they, yeah. Um, I'm interpreting those as yes. is that correct? Yes. The motion passed. You don't, have to you don't have to redo that. You can continue with the list. Okay. Are there any nays? Okay, great. And that has passed. Uh, let's go to action item C and our medical director, Dr. Francis, it's all yours. I just wanted to acknowledge also that Mark Smith has joined the meeting. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm here. Thank you, Mark. Hi, Mark. Thanks everyone for being on tonight. Um, I, I would, you know, I don't know, but I would wager a guess that what Khalil has to do has to do with this uh, pretty big surge that we're in the middle of right now. And I think has, um, you know, all of us uh, in healthcare working overtime or a second job um, at this point in time. Um, I think just a couple of words about, about the surge is really all I wanted to say during this section. So um, we don't, uh, we aren't really uh, up to date with the official data. At least I'm not up to date yet with the official data, but it's clear that um, the surge that we're experiencing as a community is affecting people experiencing homelessness also. Probably the main way we know that is the massive increase in referrals to isolation and quarantine facilities and the need for us to open new facilities um, over the last few weeks here in the community. Um, as part of that, I've been you know, providing um, some advising to the county and to Cardia Health who operates the healthcare portion of the isolation and quarantine facilities. And today our mobile health team um, actually um, helped to support some of the wellness checks that needed to be done at some of the facilities um, rather than doing their usual operations because um, the, you know, we just haven't had the ability to keep up with the staffing needs um, wow. in quarantine hotels. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a very um, uncertain moment and, um, you know, uh, just a very difficult moment, I think, um, across you know, the healthcare system here at Alameda Health System, we're also, um, you know, experiencing a lot of um, infections among the staff and um, higher rates of admissions um, with uh, coronavirus as well. So, um, you know, it's just, uh, that's kind of the main, the main headline item uh, right now. Fortunately, I think, you know, we're, we're entering this obviously with a much higher proportion of the population vaccinated um, and of course you have the experience uh, from a couple of years ago to guide us. Like we didn't even have isolation or quarantine hotels thought of, you know, in, in March of 2020 when, um, when we were first dealing with this. So I'm hopeful that, um, you know, that we'll be able to continue to improvise and do what we need to do to get through the, the surge together. Even did the county reopen some of the hotels that they had uh, closed prior? Um, some of the hotels changed their, um, the model, the operating model. So they've moved people from sites that were dedicated to permanent supportive housing to other locations where they're still in permanent supportive housing, but then repurposed those facilities to be isolation and quarantine facilities. 
Um, and then they've actually been able to um, also secure new facilities um, for, um, for isolation and quarantine. So both those things have, have happened. Okay. That's good. Um, I have a question. Thank you. Sure, go ahead. Um, I'm just wondering, uh, with the with the um, Omicron strain, um, in your opinion, or or from your perspective, um, as far as isolation um, protocols regarding isolation and. Uh, best practices. Um, is there anything that is being added to uh, to best practices um, because of the new strain, or is it being simply treated uh, just simply as a, just another strain or, or just a ver another variant? Um, I think probably the biggest change is um, you know here at the local county level. Although we're still more um, more conservative than the national guidance from the CDC around how long people should be in isolation. Yeah. The fact that Omicron spreads so quickly uh, means that the isolation and quarantine periods um, can be shorter than they were at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, here, the, the, um, the health officer order um, doesn't allow us to have shorter quarantine periods for certain high-risk populations and only recommends the, uh, or only requires the shorter isolation period uh, or allows the shorter isolation period if there's a negative test, which is different from the CDC guidance. But in spirit, all of the guidance at all levels is moving in the direction of, you know, shorter isolation periods in particular. But not for high-risk populations, though. Uh, here in Alameda County, um, our health officer order has said for high-risk populations that the isolation period should remain 10 days. Um, and uh, I think has also, you know, been very collaborative with, um, with the county, you know, Healthcare for the Homeless program and the operators of the isolation and, and quarantine hotels so that, you know, exceptions as needed can be created, um, you know, in consultation with the health officer. Um, so that, you know, if we have run into staffing problems or need to shorten the period in a way that, you know, reduces the risk that, you know, we're, we're basically going to fill up the hotels and not have any isolation or quarantine space, yeah. um, there, you know, there is the potential for us to work with the, for us as a group of, you know, uh, collaborators within the county working on homelessness to work with the health officer around, around that order and make sure that we're able to, um, to do the, the things that make the most sense to reduce the risk for the population overall, which certainly wouldn't be shutting down isolation and quarantine capacity unless we really, really have to, or, or tying up all the capacity unless we really, really have to. Okay. Is the quarantine, uh, if you're asymptomatic and you're an employee, is the quarantine still um, 10 days, or is it the five days that the CDC is saying? There's a, a complex set of criteria around uh, quarantine and return to work that I think we're, we're working through as a system. And, um, you know, I, I, I think there's so many different categories. I, I don't care much to comment on the, on the specific categories, only to say that our right. ambulatory system is approaching this as usual operations. We're not currently treating any employees as if we're in the category of a crisis and we need to have right. people here who are infected we're certainly not at that stage, you know, across the health center at this point in time. Thank goodness. Any other questions for Damon? 
Thank you, Damon, for that report. Thank you. Okay, we're going to move on to item D, which is uh, an action item and discussion. It's the approval of the 2022 to 24 strategic plan. And um, we have a copy of it here up on the screen. I'll just say a few words. Hopefully you all had a chance to review it in advance. Um, there's a couple additions from the last version that you've seen. So uh, if you scroll to goal number three, I think last time um, board member Lucy Angel said uh, we should add a couple more specific milestones around our collaborations with housing partners. Um, and so I did just um, ensure on strategic goal number three that um, we added some uh, specific milestones around reporting to you all on our collaborations that are existing collaborations with the complex care management team and care transitions program, um, who you all have heard from here at this, you know, at this meeting uh, in this venue, and as well the Office of Homeless Care and Coordination and Project Room Key and Project Home Key. So you all have heard from all those folks, but I think um, the the idea, which I thought was a good one, was to you know be more regular with our report outs and make sure that we're capturing all of the collaborative work that we're doing in this space, especially for highlighting it as a strategic goal. Um, so I, I made those changes to, um, to um, support uh, that, that great, good idea from, uh, from Lucia. And then the other addition is just at the end, um, I've included the capital budget as they stand right now for the next three years, um, which is part of what we're required to approve. Um, so if you can scroll to that, Brenda. Yeah. So um, oh, the one right before. There we yeah. go. Um, so this this is our current planned health center capital spending over fiscal year fiscal years 2022 to 24. Um, and um, you know we are, I will say. Um, undergoing a strategic planning process across Alameda Health System um, that is supported by uh, an outside consulting agency here on consulting agency. And so I imagine that over the next three years, um, that strategic planning process and, and other you know, developments may affect the current um, plan for capital spending within the health center. Um, we also, of course, benefit from capital spending across the system. Probably the best example would be EPIC. You know, things that we, we invest in EPIC as a system absolutely affect ambulatory care, but we don't necessarily as a system currently account for them in a way where they would show up on this, on this presentation to you all. Um, so, you know, currently the big things uh, within the health center program uh, are the pediatric dental clinic build out at Eastmont, and then obviously, you know, in our specific area, the build out of a new mobile dental clinic um, where we have specific grant funding for that. And that's, that's targeted nearly 100% at the target population that, that we serve people experiencing homelessness, whereas the Eastmont Pediatric Clinic will be an investment, you know, for, um, for the, the entire population that we serve in the community. Yeah. And so I, I'm happy to entertain any questions at this point. Um, I know we've had a lot of discussion about this and, and gone through it in a lot of detail already. Um, but um, also, if you know, if anyone feels strongly about revisions, you know, or feels like you know, there's something that's that's big that's missing. Obviously, you know, we we um, we can rework it at this point. But it's uh, it seems like. Um, most of the comments so far have been, you know, pretty consistently supportive of the direction here. And so happy to answer any questions that, that you all have. 
is Eastmont um, getting all the machines and the materials that they need now that we're um, serving the homeless population over there as their primary care clinic? I think that, uh, you know, it's one day a week that Wanda is uh, working in that clinic. Um, I think the, the, there's not a huge change to the numbers of, uh, of homeless patients served at Eastmont because of uh, Wanda being there because she's one provider on one day a week among, you know, multiple yeah. providers there. Um, sure. So I think the main benefit has been um, a specific connection between the provider who's on the mobile van and a mm-hmm. provider who also works in a fixed site clinic. Right. Uh, and I think that's that's been the main resource is is having having Wanda there. And I think there's a really good bi-directional kind of connection, um, you know, among uh, among those clinicians and and um, and at that site now. Okay. Any other comments or questions? definitely recommending that we adopt the strategic plan as is. Yes, yes. So staff, yeah, just as Damon said, staff's recommended it. So now it's up to the CAB after discussion finish to determine whether or not they want to make an action um, passing this as there. Okay. Sorry, I'm in the back room. It's okay. <clears throat> so can I get uh, a motion? for the passing of the um, Health Center Capital Spending for fiscal year 2022 to 24? I'm sorry, the motion that we recommend is to adopt the entire strategic plan. To adopt the, yes, to adopt the entire strategic plan. I so move. I'll second it. Thank you. Okay, and now it goes to roll call where Members can say yay or nay to approve the motion to adopt the strategic plan. Lorena, scroll down to the first page so I can see the name of everybody, please. Thank you. Okay, Richard Harvey Jr. Yay. Lucia Angel. Yay. Neha Banger is not with us this evening. B. Francis Walker. Yes. Eric Murphy. Mark Smith. Yes. Kali Choki, not here. Ali Yasin. Yes. And Loretta Medellin. Yes. Are there any nay votes? Okay. The action item passes then. Thank you so much. That really concludes a, a big chunk of, uh, of work for us and um, just really grateful for the co-applicant board participation, particularly Loretta, our chair, and um, Lucia and Richard for um, you know, serving on our work group to help plan the retreat. Um, this is really exciting. I think I'm now uh, planning to kind of create a presentation of this that um, we can use inside the system, including with our board of trustees. 
Um, and so I'm hoping, you know, to um, present in the next couple months at the Board of Trustees meeting um, and would love if a co-applicant member would like to, you know, join one or more, join in that presentation and be part of it. So I'll be putting that together and, and, um, and reaching out to you all. And, um, and then um, Heather and I anticipate beginning quarterly reporting against the milestones and measures um, as of April. Um, so those are the those are the next steps that we'll be uh, we'll be taking on from here. And just really, again, just really appreciate um, everybody's participation in this. I think I'm. Uh, it, it, it's it's just uh, it really reflects you know the wisdom and the experience of this group of people. And I think the the passion that you all have for making sure our services are really accessible um, for people. So thank you. So now uh, we're moving on to action item E, which is the medical director evaluation process. And um, Heather, are we going to uh, a breakout section ses session for that, or? No, we don't need to do a breakout session yet. So today, um, okay. if you look at the memo, you'll see that what happens today is that we essentially in January distribute the packet, which is the self-evaluation form and the medical director job description. So in your packet today, you find the job description and separately emailed to the board was the self-evaluation form that Damon will complete. And so that, that's, that's being launched now in January because of this higher date. And so then from there, what will happen next is step two, which would be that you receive and review the self-evaluation form next session that's in February, and there will be a closed session then. Okay, great. Thank you. Brenda, can you scroll back, please? Thank you. Okay, that, that's great. So I do have a question quickly for Kayla. I mean, I, I listed this as an action item. Do they need to like take action? And that would mean that what they would be doing is reviewing the job description and Damon would, what he's directed to complete the self-evaluation, anything like that? Yeah, they can to launch it, but you know, as we're talking about it, I think that it isn't necessarily necessary because that was already part of the action plan was to have them start this in January, which would go to February for them to review right. in closed session and then review with um, Damon in closed session in March. So I think that we don't need to take an action on this. Okay. Great. Great. Thank yeah, you we so just, much. We discussed that back in December, correct? Isn't that when yes, we, you approved you know, the process. Yeah. Yes, that's, that's correct. Yes. Yes, November. Okay, great. Um, Perfect. Okay, let's go to action, I mean to item F, which is uh, our annual risk report. And Heather McDonald, you're Oh, yes, thank you so much. And so you might remember that um, for uh, 2020, we were doing quarterly uh, risk review of the incidences that was including patient grievances as well as patient risk events. Um, and we determined because there was such a low rate of occurrence that we would do it um, once a year. So this is the time that we're doing it. We are wrapping up so you get a report for the whole year 
for 2021. So um, in the memo, you'll see that there's just a brief description. You know, Alameda Health System is a just, a just culture organization. And what that means, or just culture is a concept of designing, implementing, and supporting a fair and just learning culture within our organization. And it includes managing choices and designing safe systems to prevent errors. When we reviewed the events during the calendar year 2021, the Homeless Health Center patients represented only 4% of patient relations event reports at Alameda Health System. This is also known as patient complaints or grievances. So when we call it a patient relations event, it's because a patient has complained or grieved something. So of Homeless Health Center patients, about 4% of all grievances that were reported were from people um, in the Homeless Health Center. And then also, um, for risk events, it represented less than 1% of all risk events that were reported at Alameda Health System as well. And I did a little description, you know, our patient risk events fall into categories. Um, if you scroll down to the next page, you can see them described and see the numbers. So at the top, it tells you how many total patient relations events were reported through our system. How many were in scope? That means um, in the ambulatory care part of the system that's in scope, all of the sites that are on our scope. And then how many are people experiencing homelessness in scope, right? So at ambulatory care, people experiencing homelessness. So we had 15 patient relations um, reports and 10 patient risk reports. And of the sum total, you'll see 4% and 1%. And then they're broken down into these categories. A is a circumstance or event that have the capacity to cause harm, and B is an event or occurrence that uh, an event occurred but did not reach the patient. So something happened, there was a mistake, but it never never made it to the patient. C, the patient, um, an event occurred that reached the patient but didn't cause the patient harm. And then as you go down the list, you, you know we're getting towards where patients may have um, incurred some harm. For the ones that happened within our scope, they were generally um, C, an event occurred that reached the patient but did not cause patient harm. And in one circumstance, it was A, it was an event or circumstance that had the capacity to cause harm. But it had the capacity, it didn't, right? So it didn't, and nor, nor did it reach the patient at that point. So um, those are the different uh, descriptions of those events and some definitions just to remind you of what they all are, including in the bottom a description also of what it means, the organization total, the number in scope, etc. I'll entertain any questions you have at this point. Um, Heather, this is Mark. Hi, Mark. As you probably can tell, I'm not on the screen. Oh, yes. Thank you. And, um, the, um, there's do, you want me to read, do you want me to read you some of the numbers out loud? Well, I, actually what I was more uh, curious about is um, what harm, what, when you speak of harm, um, is there anything specific um, aspects of harm? What, what kinds of harm do you mean exactly? So I can read some more the descriptions again. So so they they have different levels. So when something's reported, it's described to in, in these different levels. And so when somebody submits a report, they're gonna decide 
how much harm would or would not have been caused. So when I submit a report, if I mark it as letter A, it means I had an event that had the capacity to cause harm. It didn't cause harm. If I said B, I would say that the events did not reach the patient, so the patient didn't necessarily know about it. If when I submitted my report and, and said C, then I had an event, something happened that reached the patient, but it didn't hurt the patient or harm the patient. And in level D, an event occurred that reached the patient and required monitoring to confirm that it didn't result in any harm. So that means I'm, if, if as a person, like let's say I'm making a mistake within the healthcare system, maybe it's that I provided too much COVID vaccine to a patient, I need to monitor them and make sure that they're okay, right? So I'm monitoring them. And then we determine that it didn't cause any harm, right? So that would be even level D. At that point, I'm gonna, I made a mistake. I have to keep an eye out on things and make sure it's not hurting the patient. Um, then we can go into higher levels. So E is an event that may have contributed to or resulted in temporary harm to the patient and required intervention. I did something. I gave the patient a wrong, wrong medication. Mm -hmm. I had to do something to stop any harm from happening to that patient or stop any temporary harm, right? So as it goes down the list, it gets more more serious. The events that happened within the Homeless Health Center for the Homeless in Scope patients, none of them resulted in any harm. They were all level C, which means that they reached the patient but did not cause harm. And in one circumstances, it was level A, which means it had the capacity to cause harm but did not. Okay, thank you. And then what I do also is um, I do review the events that happen. And so um, including all the patient uh, relations events and the patient risk events, um, I did set aside uh, today a closed session um, because this is patient information and is protected. Um, if, I would say if we wanted more detail about anything in particular that we would save that and review that in closed session where we would talk, we'd be able to talk a little more Specifically, but during this part of the report, it's it's very um, you know just summary level. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Sure. And then, Mark, since you don't have the packet in front of you, too, um, just so you, so you can understand, when I say four percent of all of them uh, for patient relations events, that means patient complaints or grievances. There were fifteen total events for the year for patients um, experiencing homelessness in our scope of service, and there were 10 patient risk events. For the whole organization, there were about 419 patient relations events and 15, uh, almost 1,600 patient risk events happening within Alameda Health System that were reported. Um, earlier in the memo, you know, I talked a little bit about just culture. So this idea of these risk events and these occurrences happening, they're requiring that somebody report it right, that we have to, we write down and we say and we report into our MIDAS system that this thing occurred. And so at various times when we're promoting just culture, it's possible that we'll see 
a higher number of events being reported. And in some cases, that's because we're identifying where there's a risk, even though no, nothing resulted in harm and nobody was hurt. And that helps us to create better systems within Alameda Health System to protect patients and helps us to identify where we may need to change a process um, to help make sure that patients and staff are safe. Um, and all employees have the ability to submit um, uh, uh, through the MIDAS occurrence reporting. So um, sometimes they are um, related to patients and sometimes they're related to uh, employment or staff as well. Um, just out of curiosity, um, have our totals gone down from the year prior? Um, you know what, I would need to review, uh, last year we did it quarterly, and I did um, not uh, run the analysis to compare, uh, but okay. I, can, I can get back I'm to you curious. on that. Okay, thank you. That's a good idea. Brenda, can you scroll back down, please? Thank you. Okay, I believe we're on G now. Oh, well, thank you so much. It's me again. It is. I get to tell you about our monthly program report. Um, we don't have anything to report this month uh, regarding health center compliance. You may recall last month we wrapped up several items with our finance report, so we're really excited that that um, is complete. You'll see that our, our events for this month have decreased. I think this is consistent with there being a uh, with there being several people on vacation during the month of December. So again, these are the numbers from December and our nurse practitioner was on vacation. So you're going to see a little dip in, um, in care provided to patients because mobile health clinic was closed for uh, the week near and around Christmas. So we had 22 clinical encounters, 22 dental encounter, encounters, 75 enabling encounters. That's when our uh, mobile health specialists are doing outreach to patients and working with patients who may or may not. Said, did I write? Oh, look at that. They should say November. Damon's letting me know that I have an error in my report. Thank you. I shall fix that. I used an old report and nobody found me find my et need for edits. I need an editor. Um, yeah, so these should all say December. So 22 for December, um, 22 for dental for December, 75. Enabling encounters for flu vaccines and six COVID vaccinations in December for care. And again, I will fix that. And that reminds me, Brenda, we just sent this over to um, Kathy. We're going to need to fix that for her also. We can fix it before it out commission. Um, right now, in quality, if you go to the next page, you'll see that um, we're working on our flu vaccination process measure. This is consistent with what's happening across ambulatory care, where we're helping to make sure that our team is documenting um, the flu vaccination and offering the flu vaccine to everybody who is seen for care at mobile health. And then in leadership and advocacy, the only bonus is uh, for those of you who have access to the intranet, you may have noticed that uh, I was featured as the um, in the employee spotlight section at Alameda Health System. Ah. I got to I got to elevate the mobile health clinic as part of the employee spotlight. So uh, you can find that if you go to our intranet intranet, that's our you have to log in 
of Alameda Health System with your Alameda Health System email address, and I know that's trouble lately, so. Yes, it is. <laughs> I think it was also available, though, on, um, on LinkedIn, and even on Facebook, you can find it. So if you're following Alameda Health System on LinkedIn or Facebook, you could find the Employee Spotlight video. It's a video. It's kind of fun. And Twitter also? Yeah, I think it was on Twitter. I don't have Twitter, oh, okay. so I, I can't confirm that. Okay. Good. Excellent. Anybody have any questions?
have any public comments? Um, how about any um, board member comments? Wow. This is a very early, um, <laughs> this meeting went very quickly tonight. Um, okay, we've had a few long ones recently. I thank you guys. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> That's true. So I'm looking at East Coast time. So what is it now? It's uh, 6.32, correct? Okay. So um, I call the meeting adjourned at 6.32. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.